Welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all canceled television shows in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genre. And we are ending our coverage tonight of Reaper with the series finale, but it was canceled, so it's kind of a lackluster series finale, <laughs> potentially setting up other storylines. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zeneca. Sam and the Devil, our final episode of Mr. Zeneca has the plot synopsis for us. The Devil and Sam Oliver, Season 2 Finale, originally aired May 26, 2009. In the second season finale, Sam asks Steve, now a second-class angel of heaven, to translate the ancient demon scroll that Nina brought back from hell, which could help him out of his contract with the devil. But it is apparent that Steve has an ulterior motive for his... But it is apparent that Steve has an ulterior motive of his own for both wanting to help Sam and preventing him from doing so. Sam manages to summon forth Satan for a game of flipping coins into shot glasses, quarters. But when he, but when the match comes out in a stalemate tie of five to five, this still allows the devil to keep Sam's soul. But Andy steps in and tries to arrange a rematch by making the ultimate gamble of offering her soul to Satan. Meanwhile, Ben's second sight grandmother refuses to associate herself with Ben unless he ha- unless he has an exorcism performed on Nina while Doc inadvertently ends up under the influence of a substance after the guys bring back hallucinogen toads from their latest soul capture. Yeah. This was a kind of a weird episode. This was kind of like a... This was, um, well, I mean, it was supposed to be their season finale and uh, hoping to go on further. I mean, there's also, like, there's no uh, mom, there's no Gladys... Yeah, and and they didn't really set up the deal to have as much gravitas as usually, like, a finale would. You know, we get the paper, and then it gets translated, but there's not a whole lot of build-up. We haven't been building up to this moment in the previous episodes. It's just like, oh, boom, you can have a, a game with the devil to compete with him. It, it, it felt so sudden. It didn't really feel complete to me. The episode opens up with this new greeter who's basically like um, one of those Walmart greeters, complete freak show. Yeah, Mary Pat, she can see auras. She's very, very floofy, fuzzy bunny, new agey type of woman. Right, uh, the worst kind. Yeah. <laughs> she wants a group hug once they find out everyone works there, which is pretty funny. And they're like, no, we're not having it. They always want group hugs. <laughs> Sam at his breaking point with the devil because the devil makes him do this monkey dance before handing over the vessel, which is a machete. I've never seen a monkey dance in the streets, have you? No, not in the streets. I've only seen it on the internet. Yeah. Nothing about that would entertain me. It's a monkey doing jumping up and down for a treat. It's nothing special. Well, the devil did say that Jimbo the monkey also picked pockets. So, you know, that it makes sense. The devil would really like that monkey. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, the soul for this episode, his name is Roger. He almost has nothing to do with this whole plot line of this episode. They come Not in and all. capture him, and that's the end of it. It's on to Sam getting out of his deal with this with the devil plot. Yeah. The only purpose for having the soul, who likes to get high off of licking toad, um, just as a vessel for getting Sock a hallucinogen toad. And you know, so he can be accidentally dosed with it later when it swims around in his drink. But 
yeah, the soul really didn't have anything special to do. You know, it was kind of cool though. The the graphics of that tongue lashing out like a frog, that was actually pretty good, pretty well done. But Ben's grandmother is sick. Grandmother, yeah, grandma's sick. Looks like she's dying compared to the last time where she dropped of a heart attack because of uh, Nina, and uh, she invites uh, Ben over for an exorcism. <laughs> Yeah, although for, at first she does apologize for being such a bitch to Nina, which was nice until you get the the other shoe drops and her real motive is that she wants Nina to have an exorcism. Mary Pat, on the other hand, with her auras, uh, she believes that fairies are protecting her. Yeah. She, she walks out to the propane area and starts smoking a cigarette, and everything explodes, but she is fine, which is astounding. <laughs> right, and a true fairy did save her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve, the, Steve is now her guardian angel and did save her. I'm a plant. I thought men like you were called a fruit. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, her takeaway from that whole situation is that she should just stop smoking. Yeah, that's a very, very new agey way to think about that. Not, I should be more cognizant of when I walk around flammable materials. Yeah, that uh, that entire explosion looked like it cost a lot of money to flip a car like that. Yeah, it was very intense explosion. But Steve, as her guardian angel, does a very good job protecting her from killing herself. And then meets, Sam, meets up with Sam and then uh, roughly translates the document and... Uh, it's about a contest with the devil, and he says that it, the text reads to reflect the devil, meaning that to dress like him, you know, which Gladys later on says that's, that's an error. You know, it's actually to reflect like um, having a mirror there to distract the devil because he can't stop help. He can't help but look at himself, and that would distract him from the contest. She even makes a sly comment about, I knew Steve couldn't read. <laughs> I think it's funny all the, like, I guess Sam is like a nobody, you know, because he doesn't have any skill whatsoever. There's nothing special about him. He is a loser. <laughs> I mean, he's our hero, but he's just like, they made him just like, like, what is he good at? Hunting souls, I guess? That's, he is good at that. He's done that for two years. Yeah, no, he's he's very good at it. Yeah, that is why didn't you know, he his big skill. Right, why didn't he and the devil go to the FBI headquarters and challenge the devil to go hunt down one of America's most wanted without the oh, devil that's, using that's without the devil too complicated. But without the devil using any of his teleportation powers. That's too complicated. No, it's not. You're just not thinking third dimensional. Sam <laughs> <laughs> although thinks that he can play clarinet and you know, Andy plays it so much better, so there's no way that Sam could ever beat the devil in a clarinet playing contest. But quarters, he's very good at bar games. Right, because he's always yeah. at a bar drinking. Yeah, yeah. So so quarters, like, he can do quarters any angle, the entire episode. He shoots the quarters and is successful with every single one. And he said that, you know, remember why I was always the designated driver? Because no one could force me to drink. Click! You know, and then everyone else takes drinks. Um... However, that changes by the end of the episode. 
Right. Um, what does uh, Bill and Ted play when they play the Reaper? They play Battleship. They play Twister. They play uh, Shoots and Ladders. They play yeah. uh, a bunch of different games, and they beat um, the, the Reaper at, every single time. Every single one, yes. What what game does the Reaper play with people, then, that he can beat? Chess? That's got to be it, right? It's just going to be chess. It's the only thing he knows, and they all they play like modern board games with him, and he doesn't know jack squat. Yeah. You know the best game to play with uh, the Grim Reaper, though? What? They'll guarantee that you wouldn't be able to uh, fail at? Dungeons & Dragons. It has no ending. That's right. But you would need more than just you and the Reaper, though. Oh, that's true, but I assume the Reaper could just, you know, call upon his dark powers and add some people to the game for a, for an accurate party, you know? Or play um, Cards Against Humanity. Oh, yeah, it that's has, a good one. It has no winner. Yeah. Or it does. No well, technically it does, because you all have to, you need more than two people, because you have to vote on the cards, right, to see. You you do have to vote on the cards, but technically you win once you, you know, win so many rounds of whatever the table has agreed to. But... So that would still be a fun game, because you need you need a third person, but that third person's not playing. You just basically, he's the one picking out, you know, what of the combination is the funniest. True, but if you only had two people, it would always be a draw, and then it would go on forever. Possibly. Um, so, Sam plays uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Do we know what Andy plays on the clarinet? I don't remember that I one. I couldn't Shazam it either, by the way. Yeah. I tried Shazamming it. Oh. <laughs> a much a much more complicated song, because she played clarinet all through high school, whereas he... Stopped playing in grade school. Um. So, uh, <laughs> um, no Ted in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Ben gets his car towed, <laughs> even though he paid for it. But Grandma co-signed the lease. She can. Uh... She can't. She can't. She legally can't repossess his car because. She is not in control. Just because someone is a co-signer doesn't mean that they have control over that car. It's so not... what his grandma's doing is illegal, but it's his cousin that's towing it, so therefore, mm, gray area. Yeah. Yeah. So grandma just refuses to allow Ben in on the family. Like, all the family members have to shun him and everything else just because he's with Nina and he won't agree to have her exercised. Mm. But uh, Nina actually thinks that, you know, she doesn't want him to be segregated from his family just for her. Right. So she convinces Ben that the exorcism won't do anything because she is a demon, you know, won't do anything at all. So I'll just put up a good show. As long and as that it, really calms Ben down. As long as it keeps her hot, that's all that matters. <laughs> I was wrong, by the way. We don't see Gladys at the uh, at the DMV, but she does show up at the bar. At the bar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is just unusual because we don't. Other than the one episode where Ben has the fantasy about her, um, not Ben. Uh, Sock has the fantasy about banging her. Uh, we don't. We don't really ever see her outside of the DMV. She does go to the bar with them once. Um, remember after she was uh, nearly killed. Oh right. Yeah, and she drinks like a whole pitcher of beer like in one, you know, one go, and uh, 
that's more than likely like a hose attached to the actress. She's pouring it down of or course. something like that. Yeah, she was definitely not drinking a full pitcher of beer by herself. Um, if this, by the way, was a porno, uh, Nina would have been stripped naked in order to do the exorcism. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it's very telling that the line goes there, Dr. Chris. It is! I can't help it! It reminds me of a hentai cartoon where a bunch of angels exercise some demons in the most inappropriate ways possible. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they're, they're, of course, all the angels are hot, beautiful, busty women, too, um, who grow, uh, appendages out of certain parts of their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and proceeds course, to exercise the demons. <laughs> I watch this purely for research purposes for this podcast, people. I'm just saying. Oh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we, uh, I'm going to be doing a, um, not so much like a commentary review, but we're going to do like a big review episode of a, of a, of a, of a season of like Bible Black with somebody. So I'm really looking forward to their perspective on it. <laughs> Honestly, wow. one of the more, um, story plot driven hentai cartoons out there because let's face it hentai does not have a lot of in, the, in terms of the plot you know what I mean it's like hurry up and get to the sex but yeah. uh, Bible Black is actually based on a video game and that has a lot of plot to it yeah uh, the priest is Father O'Malley yeah and, uh, he reminds priest... me of something <laughs> <laughs> Father O'Malley he... was it what's the name of the priest in the exorcism I don't remember off the top of my head. Father O'Malley was also um I think I think it's Father O'Malley is the priest in The Exorcist. Okay. And he's also the name of Bing Crosby's character in Going My Way, hmm. which I've never seen. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm sorry, I like Bing's music. I don't know about his movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, the actor that plays Father O'Malley is Timothy Weber. Uh, who is in War for the Planet of the Apes and Seventh Son and uh, Cold Squad? So in the Bing Crosby film, he's Charles O'Malley. I don't. I am. I'm, I'm trying to find right now what's the name of um, Father O'Malley in The Exorcist. Uh... Well, let me give you a little bit of trivia here. Timothy Weber was also in The Exorcist, the TV series, as oh. the character Russ Holstrom. Interesting. So he was William O'Malley. Very common name, by the way, to be used. O'Malley. It sounds yeah. um, Scottish or Irish. Irish, or yeah. yeah. There's a Reverend. I'm not even kidding. There's a Reverend William O'Malley, born in 1931. He's still alive today. He's and an American Timothy author. Webb. Oh, he's an American author and actor. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, what? What has he done? Oh yeah, so he's an American author and actor. Um, We've also seen Timothy uh, Weber in. Another series that we've done, Friday the 13th, the series. He was in two episodes, The Sweetest Sting and Bedazzled. Um, so, some bad news about William O'Malley. Guess what happened? What? Guess what he was accused of? Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Multiple students in oh. the 1980s. In 2019, he was accused. Oh. Yeah. Friends of mine uh, are coming on the Vampire Movie Minute podcast. They're covering Dogma Movie Minute. They have tried their best to skate around that entire subject matter, mainly because the priest in that movie is played with hilarity by the late, great George Carlin. Yeah. Who hated organized religion. The fact that he plays a <laughs> a priest in Dogma is a, a fuck you to God and, and, and Catholicism. <laughs> 
someone, someone, someone had a thing, and this, this is all very relevant. Somebody asked me, why do you have a problem with Catholic Catholics? I'm like, I think the entire religion is complete bullcrap. What they covered up is complete and utter criminal, and we have been pro- that has been proven over and over again to be right. And the fact that you keep following it means you're a piece of shit, too. Mm. Sorry. Not sorry. Just, like, seriously, you can follow a religion that allows that to keep happening? I'm not afraid to say that on my own podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying that you can't worship God, though, because I, I, I have friends that are Presbyterian. And they're good people, and uh, I know a good uh, Presbyterian minister who's a very good guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are there is good religion in Christianity. I just think Catholicism needs to be completely just turned upside down and taken just done away with. There needs to be more Christians actually acting more like Jesus versus what twisted version we have right now. Right? I mean, I have more than enough people that can tell me you know, point out, like, how much Jesus did in the Bible that people should follow versus what people think and say in his name is the complete yeah. opposite. Especially the big thing with, like, by the way, Jesus wasn't would not have been a white guy, so your racist stuff about, you know, what Jesus hates on gay and black or whatever, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Because it, it didn't, would make no sense. Jesus is a white guy. No. Sorry, there's no white people in the Middle East. They're Kind of tan. <laughs> I wouldn't say brown. I wouldn't say black. I'd say tan. <laughs> but uh, this episode's heavy on the religion, so I thought we'd get into it with the religion. Um, <laughs> you know who else doesn't show up in this episode? Morgan. <laughs> yes, because Morgan has been disgraced. And he's been disgraced in more ways than one. Yes. The actor actor. has been disgraced. Coming out what? When? September? September 2nd. Okay. So we will be um, starting Alienation in September. we got a couple great guests coming on. But at the time that that documentary comes out, we'll have been finished with this podcast. This episode will hopefully air by the end of the month. Uh, Check out on what streaming service does it say? Uh... If you saw The Social Network, uh, Reaper, or what was the spy movie he did with Henry Cavill? It's based on a famous TV show. The spy movie? Yeah, Henry Cavill plays the American who has to team up with a Russian spy. It was a famous television show. Coming up with a blank. Army Hammer <laughs> is going to be the subject, along with the entire Hammer family, in the Discovery Plus show... House of Hammer. I think it's like a documentary type okay. of series. And House of Hammer is coming out <clears throat> September 2nd. Okay, so the name of the movie, by the way, is The Man from Uncle, which was a famous ah. show in the 60s about a Russian and an American that have to team up uh, in, in Germany to solve, you know, spy spy mystery stuff. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize Arnie Hammer was recently in a movie this year, Death on the Nile. Yes, I, I I commented previously. I had watched that, and it was really good. Oh, okay. It's on HBO Max. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. You know it's not 100% terrible? It's just that the casting of Johnny Depp is ridiculous as a Native American is the Lone Ranger movie. I did not see that. In fact, I purposefully did not see that. I, I don't think that's that terrible. But I don't know if I can rewatch it now with Arnie Hammer. Now thinking about Arnie Hammer just like chowing down on the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, the whole controversy surrounding him is about his very violent fantasies and 
abuse and rape accusations from his ex-girlfriends. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth so, Chambers was his wife for 10 years. She divorced him in 2020 because of this. You know, he keeps talking about being 100% a cannibal, although there's no proof that, you know, the trailer talks about or any article that I've read, no proof that he's actually indulged in this cannibalistic fantasy, and I'm hoping that he won't ever indulge in that. But, um, yeah, it, it's about his very violent fantasies and the amount of pushing boundaries and abuse that crosses over into non-consensual activities. And that is the, the part that I personally have issue with. You know, everything should be consensual. doesn't matter how crazy your fantasy is as long as it's consensual. This was definitely not. But apparently the whole Hammer family are just terrible. Like they're, you know, millionaires and they've done a whole bunch of terrible things. People have been killed and it's it's going to be a very interesting documentary. I don't know a lot about the Hammer family, but this is as salacious as it comes. Hmm. It wouldn't surprise me that the guy who played the son of the devil is a cannibal. <laughs> Isn't there? A... It fits, right? <laughs> yeah, it totally fits. It totally fits. The uh, the outcome for this episode with uh, with Andy is uh, she sacrifices herself, her soul, to save Sam in the long run. She does. And it's supposed to set up a big plot line of season three of Andy and Sam now going out and doing it as a couple. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Yeah, because the the first time that Sam summons the devil, he's wearing the suit, you know, looking exactly like the devil, and, you know, devil compliments him on his face. He, he plays quarters, and it's a tie. You know, five to five, dollar yep. twenty-five and quarters, and n- no effect. But he's restricted from challenging him ever again. He had his chance, he blew it, the devil's not obligated to appear at any other summonings unless he had a better bargain and andy made that bargain with her own soul which is unfortunate that's what happened and at the end of the episode she was kind of okay with it she didn't feel any different and of course you wouldn't you know that type of thing happens at the end you know when you die and then you realize oh shit i made a mistake uh, <laughs> um but i guess it really shows that andy loves sam yes 100 percent that is definitely what we get out of this, that there is love for her to do this. Yeah. Sock drinks a drink that a toad has crawled into, and while he is on the way to go to Ben and Nina, because he finds the letter that Nina had on the counter that said that the exorcism may actually work. And it's basically a goodbye letter. And so he races over to Ben at, their, at his grandmother's house to prevent Nina from being exorcised. And on the drive, he trips balls. Oh, my God. You know, he's seeing the grandmother everywhere, and he's hitting mailboxes thinking it's her. Like, he's actually going to commit homicide. If, you know, he's so twisted. It's amazing that he got to the grandma's house at all. And when he got there, his tongue has had swollen up or gone numb, so he couldn't really talk. And... Nina uses that excuse that, oh, you should be worried about him. I think I think the demons jumped into him. And it, it's never stated whether the grandmother truly believes it, but she kind of goes along with it. Mm. So Nina is saved. And Steve, during the... The devil breaks the glass during the That's second good. challenge. 
instead of the regular table that they had, they changed it out to a mirrored table. So the devil does his shots first, and he couldn't he could couldn't get a single one. So he breaks the shot glass. Sam races back into the workbench to get a new shot glass. See Steve, and then Steve breaks his freaking hand. And only saying, "Oh, it's it's an order from the top. You know, it's for the for the greater good." Breaks his hand to keep him in the deal. And so Sam can't actually win a single quarter in the shot glass because he's playing with his non-dominant hand. And that pretty much sinks both Sam and Andy to this existence where they have their souls, you know, owed to the devil. And the only thing Steve can say is that you've got to believe that you're not alone. Like that is any sort of comfort. (laughs) The end of your life, you're going to go to hell, believe you're not alone, watching angels fly into the sky and disappear into a big explosion of light, very fancy-like. That's pretty much the end of the episode, and there's really no opening for for what is to go forth. Like, why was this done? What's the purpose of all of this? Why did Steve, like, break his hand? Apparently he's wanting to... The, whatever powers that be above is wanting Sam to remain in this position, remain what he's doing... And we are left with more questions than answers. What uh, What does the article um, about season three or the end of the show say that we found? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of season two, I found two articles for how Reaper might have ended. How Reaper would have ended straight from the creators by Keith McDuffie. Want to know how CW's Reaper would have ended? So did I, so I went right to the source. We had a lot of ideas, both short and long term. I remember that. At the end of the second season, we had hoped to put Andy to work at the DMV with Gladys. We love Gladys. Christine Wells is just so much fun, and we thought she and Andy would have such a great way of sparring with each other, and that would have been great, unquote. As for Sam, the question of who his father really was, this one's a doozy. Quote, If you remember, Dad wasn't dead, and there was a whole reason why he wasn't dead. Basically, the whole premise that never actually had the chance to come out was the idea that Dad was a demon who made a deal with the devil. He fell in love with Sam's mom and wanted to marry her, so the deal was, fine, you're not a demon anymore. He was never fully human either, which is why you can't kill him. So in the pilot, when he said that he was really sick and made a deal with the devil, he wasn't 100% lying, nor was he 100% telling the truth. And this is the reason why Sam is special. Sam is part human, part demon. Boom. Sam was led to believe that he was the devil's son, but that wasn't true. That's not the reason Sam had powers. The powers came from his father. His father was really his father, and part of his deal was that he never really allowed to tell Sam the truth. And that's the reason why he says to him, there's more to this than I can tell you. And part of what we tried to get out of all this was that Sam really is special. That's the reason why. At the end of the last season, Steve comes to him and says Sam is caught between good and evil. What we hoped to get out of the third season was what part did Sam have to play? Sam's whole existence and the reason for the devil was paying so much attention to him and hanging out with him so much was because there was a reason. Sam was half human and half demon. And the devil was really worried that this kid was going to be his downfall. If you look at what the devil is doing throughout the series, he's trying to tempt Sam to be bad. And he's trying to tempt him to embrace this, that what you're doing isn't so bad. The whole point was that if he can turn Sam bad, then Sam isn't a threat anymore. 
unquote. This really puts everything into perspective and at the same time makes me slap my forehead and say, of course, this is why Sam was doing what equates to a good deed for humankind while at the same time doing the work of evil. If he could enjoy this power and embrace it, then the devil wins. The reveal of who and what Sam's dad really is, they tell me, was written on those burned pages. Getting off the subject of that burning secret, no pun intended, I asked if there was ever a thought to bring a god into a character on the show. Quote, we talked a little about bringing the Archangel Michael in, but no, I actually think I never wanted to see God. And there was this discussion of whether or not we wanted to see hell and what that would be like and what it wouldn't be like. We never really settled on anything. What would it be like? It's not all fire and brimstone or whatever. And what is limbo like? There's a lot that we mused about. If we had the time, we probably would have done. How do you do hell in a way that fits our world and in a way you'd never think of? Unquote. For me, the whole thing, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is an office building. While I have them here, I had to ask them about one of my old theories of the show, that Sock was more than he appeared, maybe an angel, whether he knew it or not. Quote, Tyler Labine had this whole storyline worked out so that he and Ricky Gonzalez were like archangels, but we had never intended for that, so I don't think so. I really think that it was okay that they were really just good friends helping out their buddy. There's something very virtuous about how these three would have done anything for each other. I almost like it better that they weren't divine, that they weren't anything other than human, and maybe had a higher purpose, but they were just human. Unquote. As I said to them, that really did fit into the story much better than my silly theory. These guys are what connects Sam to the real world and to humankind. That's how, in the end, he'd have that decision to make. Quote, Other than where we knew where we were headed, and we knew of the secrets of who Sam really was and what the devil was doing, we sort of left that open. And we did that because I find that kind of paralyzing to have too much worked out ahead of you. It would have been a happy ending. He would have gotten the girl and he would have gotten out of his deal with the devil. And we would have found a way to get there. Unquote. That's where most of the talk of Reaper ended. And where I got into some talk about working with Joss Whedon in the dollhouse and the jump to comic books and continuing storytelling medium for the TV shows. The online-only revolution and their own little show, Cutthroat. Stay tuned for that soon. And that's the article. So all of that, those revelations in that article, totally throws out my headcanon. <laughs> because, you know, if, if Sam is not the devil's son, then my headcanon just kind of goes out the door. But, you know, my headcanon, it's, it's fun. I like it. So I think I think Reaper would have probably gone for one more season. I don't think I, I just don't see this having longevity of like five seasons, six seasons or so. I agree. I think they would have just tied up the loose ends, and then the the world was getting a bit complicated with the demons and the babies and going into heat and you know the angels and like it was getting so complicated. They were adding so many elements to it that it was kind of diluting the specialness of what season one actually held. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that is it for our coverage of Reaper the Series. We are going to jump right into Alien Nation um, just because of our delays with getting Reaper out. So we're not going to do a short film. Short film. <laughs> we're not going to do a short uh, story, but we'll do one uh, coming up later on. Um, Mr. Zeneca and I's plans for 2023 don't know what it is yet, other than Alienation, which will go into 2023, we know that. But, in September of 2023, we're gonna start Blade! Because in November, Blade 
comes back to theaters with the Marvel Cinematic Universe release. Yay! So we will be covering Blade the series in 2023, uh, fall of 2023. Perfect because it's in time for Halloween and it ties into the release of Blade by Marvel Studios. So I have always said we will do Blade, but we had to wait until the movie was announced by Marvel. And at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, they announced when it was coming out. So November 2023 is coming out. We'll start our coverage in September. Awesome. Yep. I have one more I have one more note. So we'll probably do like a mini show between uh, Alien Nation and Blade because I know Alien Nation and the movies will take us into the beginning of 2023. But that's all the time I have because I got to go. <laughs> Okay. Okay, yeah, no, um, I gotta go. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, all right. Talk to later. Put, no, no, we'll say our goodbyes, but you gotta, you can put your note in afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Um, don't forget to find us on Facebook, on the Dead TV Podcast, and on Twitter at Christy SAV and at Elegantly Kiki. And send us an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with uh, Alien Nation. And a fantastic interview to accompany the pilot. Uh, sorry, we'll be back in a couple weeks with the movie Alienation. Excuse me. And then after that, we'll, we'll have the first episode of Alienation with an accompanying interview by somebody. I was a cop. And my wife was raped. I caught the guy who did it. And I killed him. Two months later, I died. What the hell? 113 of the most vile creatures escaped. They think they'll beat the devil. Nobody beats me. So how am I supposed to send them back? The eyes, windows to the soul. Destroy the eyes and the damned get a one-way ticket back home to hell. But it's not hell you should be scared of. It's losing your second chance of life on earth. Time to give the devil its due. It's Brimstone, Season 1, Episodes 12 and 13. It's a Hell of a Life, originally aired February 5th, 1999. The Devil shows Stone how his actions condemned him to hell, and how his beloved wife will also soon die because of him. But a surprisingly familiar new ally explains to Ezekiel that the future can be different. Morning After, originally aired February 12th, 1999. As Valentine's Day approaches, Stone considers revealing his existence to his wife Rosalind, and Max supports him. However, Rosalind is dating another man, and Stone starts seeing snakes everywhere. The series ends on an open ending. Hi, I'm Ezekiel Stone. When I look back on my life, it's confusing. The devil kept saying that killing my wife's rapist wasn't what would have sent me to hell, that I was going there anyway. He enjoyed showing me my faults, the times I stepped over the line with a criminal, or wasn't attentive to my wife, or planted drugs on a dealer just to get them arrested. He showed me images of a childhood that I never had, along with the bad things I actually did do. But, if I'm his son, then hell would be where I would have ended regardless, right? Well, I don't know why, but one day I got visited by the devil's twin brother. Instead of the sharp black suit, he wore a painter's uniform in white. This angel showed me the better moments, the people that I saved, the things that were better in life because I did my job. Somehow, my job is so crucial that the Divine took the effort to convince me that what I was doing was the right thing. 
that any mitigating circumstances can justify some wrongs here and there. That the amount of good or evil that you put into the world is what really matters. Maybe Steve was right, that it's the small good deeds that help you earn your way to heaven. Maybe eventually I'll earn my way there too. After the angel warned me that Rosalind was going to be killed by one of the escaped souls in a bank robbery, I rushed past the devil in order to get there, just in time to save her. But I was too afraid to let her see my face. Rosalind looked too spooked. Max wanted me to talk to her, but I couldn't. What if she moved on? Max had her own issues, where she wouldn't open a Valentine's gift from her man. Something about not facing that he may have serious love for her, and she just didn't know if she felt that way. All she had to do was open a gift, and all I had to do was let my widow know that I love her. <laughs> you know, it's the story of my life. Never telling the woman in my life my feelings. Andy, Rosalind, years of pining. So I did some recon. I wanted to know if Rosalind would welcome me back, or if it would just be too much. The cruelest prank was that the snake priestess, former detective Ash, had slept with my wife as a man named Barry, shapeshifter. I saved her once again and decided that my absence was better for Rosalind's survival. If I do my job at capturing souls, then Rosalind and life on Earth can be saved. The bank robber was an escaped soul, Ash was an escaped soul, Rosalind didn't need my dead body. I would be her guardian. It wasn't until Valentine's Day that I mustered up the courage to show her that I still loved her and was still around, in whatever way that I am. I gave her a snow globe, something very precious to her. It was a married couple with the words forever, because I'll always love her, even if it's from afar. And that's how it's been ever since. I do my job. I am inspired by the divine to save humanity from escaped souls that are trying to earn their way back to heaven. I don't know how long I have to do this before I earn my wings. Maybe I'll see Andy and Rosalind up in heaven. Someday. Most of the major characters in these two episodes were already seen in previous ones, with the exception of Barry the Boyfriend, who was played by Mark Valley. He's most known for playing the role of Jack Devereaux in the Days of Our Lives in the mid-90s. He also played Brad Chase on Boston Legal. He's quite the TV actor, playing long stints on Once and Again, Pasadena, ER, Fringe, CSI, and Crisis, to name a few. Most recently, he was on Blood and Treasure as Patrick McNamara. He does more producing these days. There were a ton of minor characters from the flashback scenes. To name just a few, Ezekiel's father, played by Kevin Fry, Ezekiel as a boy, played by Cody McMains, Prostitute Cassie, played by Jane Lee Connolly, Criminal Arlo, played by Vincent Berry. We also had Esther Scott play a snake expert in the finale. To say these two episodes make for an unsatisfying ending is to put it mildly. I reviewed these together because it really seems like one storyline, and a horrible storyline at that. Learning about Ezekiel's past doesn't bring much to the table. He leaves his wife on his day off to go back to work to harass a criminal. 
So it feels like it's more showing Ezekiel's hypocrisy than anything else. Bad cop actions, nearly cheating on his wife, yet still thinking his life was all good. John Glover playing both the devil and the angel was sort of weird, but it probably saved them on budget. Reintroducing Ash after not seeing her for so many episodes was unnecessary. Maybe it was to set her up as the villain for season two, I don't know. The whole two episodes just were sappy, and it felt like there was a moral lesson that wasn't really thought through. Rosalind was so one-dimensional, the grieving widow 15 years later. I suppose if you can like Ezekiel after seeing him at his worst, then you'd feel that this was a heartstring closure. To me, it just wasn't worth watching. There is an original cut and ending that I found for the It's a Hell of a Life episode. In it, the devil and the angel never appear at the same time, so there's ambiguity of if it's the devil all along. In this clip, which was the better ending in my opinion, the devil talks to Ezekiel, who is actively researching potential escaped souls. Then at the end, the devil finds the painter's hat in his pocket, ponders for a second, and hides it from Detective Stone and gives him this look like, what? All set to the tune of Jamming by Bob Marley and the Wailers. My dentist is Marquis. Take a number. Even Ohio. Well, well, suddenly taking on the job with a vengeance, are we? What do you think? That you think you don't need me anymore, which would be exceptionally foolish, even for you. Oh, come on. What difference does it make how I do my job? The point is, I work for you. I do your bidding. How much is clear? No matter who inspires me. You are not to mention that who to me again, do you understand? Heaven forbid. Watch your language. Come on. Sit down. Load off. Grab a beer. Let's plan our next move. Letting me save Rosalind. You, you didn't have to let me do that. I know you could have kept me from going back there. And I'm not foolish enough to think that I could possibly have outwitted you. Oh, you are a crafty lad. But I'll accept your flattery, sincere or not. I guess there's no reason we can't go on being friends. I think associates is a better word. Then associates it shall be. Well, keep the faith. Welcome back, Ezekiel. I want to 
thank you for taking this headcanon journey with me. Coming to you from DragonCon 2022, it's Mr. Seneca signing out.